0: I think I got the bird flu, I think I got the bird flu, I'm tired of salad packs, I think I need a bird or two, I think I got the bird flu, I'm tired of salad packs, I think I need a bird, or two. I I bird I I
1: need a... hello everybody, welcome back, it is Jason, Jaybird Goldstein, here with another episode of the Bird's Eye View. On today's episode, I'm going to be previewing some NFC North football. I'm starting to record on Tuesday, September 1st, and this will probably air by the weekend. But I'm very excited to talk some NFC North football. We have some tremendous guests coming up. A Bears fan who might be a little bit delusional when it comes to Mitch Trubisky. A Lions fan who, like any Lions fan, is angry. Uh, along with some Packers and Vikings fans, and I'm just very, very, very excited to get started. So, uh, I think we're just going to hop right into it, and I'm going to call up my friend Akshay to discuss some Chicago Bears. All right, I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Akshay Garge. Akshay, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: Of course. Thanks for coming on. Uh, before we start talking football, I want to give a shout-out to your Cubs, Uh They've been in a bit of a slump, but they're still playing well. Still one of the best teams in baseball, and you know they're gonna make a run this postseason, I think.
2: Definitely hope so. I mean, and I think the Cubs and Yankees are kind of in the same boat. Like they both started off super hot, and now they've been kind of like wandering. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, I'm sure, I, I'm sure you're sure you're just as frustrated right as I talented, am. So. At least uh, for you, you don't have any teams taking the division from you at the moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, Central is uh, kind of a joke right now, so. That going for us.
1: But I think you will have plenty of teams taking the division from you when it comes to football, because <laughs> I know that you. I know that you're a big Bears guy, and um, you know I see a lot of your tweets, and I think all my followers and myself would agree. Mitch Trubitsky is not a great quarterback, or even a good quarterback, but you seem to be convinced otherwise. So you talk about Mitch Trubitsky first. Okay. Um. Listen. I mean, first of all, I think
2: definitely on Twitter, sometimes I I admit that I like. I exaggerate how great Mitch is, mainly because I feel like he gets way, way too much hate, um, especially on Twitter. So I feel like I balance that out by maybe giving him a little bit more love than he deserves, right? So, um, but that, that being said, he definitely does get too much hate. I mean, the fact of the matter is that the expectations that were thrown onto him, basically, based on his twenty eighteen season performance. Really set him up for failure in twenty nineteen, and there's a lot of things to discuss in that round. But, but simply put, I mean, his twenty eighteen season was extremely underrated. People want to attribute that to the Bears' defense, to completely to, to them, not, nothing to Mitch. But I mean, there's so much, so much facts to back up the fact that he was a great quarterback in twenty eighteen. And also, if you think about it, twenty eighteen was truly his first year. Um, in the NFL, he had, a, he had 12 games the year before, but he had him under possibly the worst possible. He had him under John Fox. I mean, that's the worst coach you could have had for his development. He also was not supposed to start in 2017. He was drafted as a project. So really, 2018 was his first season, first full season, under the helm of an actual offensive coach, offensive mind coach, with actual weapons, and, he, and the year that he was actually supposed to start. And he crushed expectations. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And because of how far his progression went that year, I think the expectations placed on him in 2019 were really high. And he obviously didn't meet up to them. And you know, because of that, it's kind of been less like narrative that he's a terrible quarterback, which I would just have to disagree with. So,
1: I, I just see what you're talking about. Um, I drink the Mitch Trubisky juice after his second season. The Bears were actually going to last season. I picked to represent the NFC. Uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, I believed Mitch Trubisky, I thought he took strides and I was a big, big believer in that defense and which is still a great defense. I mean, no matter, I know you have your, think, how you feel about Mitch, but he was pretty bad last season with the exception of that mm-hmm. game against Dallas. And that defense still really helped that team win eight games.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat his performance last year. I mean, he, he took a step back, and I, I think that part. Okay, so part of it is this. Okay, I expected in twenty nineteen, I expected Mitch to take a step forward because in twenty eighteen he played great, right? He was out. He was performing within the context of that offense with all the weapons around him, with all the right coaching. He was killing. He was doing his job, and he was doing it good. My expectation was he was going to go from doing a really good job with what's given to him to elevating the offense, kind of like a guy like Mahomes, or you can argue Deshaun Watson, or a guy that elevates. People he can elevate a bad offense, right, with his playmaking. And, again, I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. I was wrong. He didn't elevate it. But also, I don't think he all of a sudden got way worse, right? He didn't take that next step. But I think that the reason you saw a decrease in his numbers wasn't just because he took a step back. It's because the entire offense took a step oh, back. Oh,
1: absolutely. With the right. exception of maybe Allen Robinson.
2: Right, right. Allen Robinson was a beast as usual, but... I mean, otherwise you had an, a terrible offensive line performance. That was that. That's something we we just talk on and on about how bad that offensive line got. You can talk about the lack of running game. You can talk about Nagy possibly, you know, his play calling kind of getting exposed in the second year. You know, oftentimes first year head head coaches and offensive play callers, they kind of have like a good go at it, right? People don't aren't familiar with all the the and the their offense and. Next year comes along, he wasn't able to adjust, and people caught on to his offensive scheme. So, I mean, there was so much around Mitch that was just absolutely horrific, Um, and that basically made his performance look even worse, and of course, some of it is attributable to him, and of course, he didn't take that next step in terms of elevating people, but I don't think that... Um, he's not a viable starting NFL quarterback. I still believe he has the potential to take that next step uh, and be a great NFL quarterback. But uh, obviously last year was a disaster. I don't think there's any, any debating that for sure.
1: But, uh, so, yeah, all right, yeah, that's a very fair point, uh, you know. But uh, one thing I have to ask you, I remember having this argument with you a while back and you said, oh, I'm so happy every day that we traded up one spot. Remember, you traded up one <laughs> spot to get Mitch Trubisky and don't have Mahomes or Watson. Do you still feel that way? Because it's one thing to believe in Mitch, believing he can be the guy. But to say you think he has potentially better than Pat <laughs> Mahomes, that's insane. Pat Mahomes looks like he can be the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't, were you just saying that for the take or do you truly believe that? Um. All
2: right, so I'll, I'll be honest. that Me saying that I would have... Trubisky over Mahomes if I had the to option today is probably an example of me giving Mitch too much love to compensate for the hate that he gets. Mm-hmm. Um well, of course, come on, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's 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 been unreal, he's a special quarterback. But uh the fact of the matter is I, I mean I think it, it does get a little annoying people
1: going off about uh the Bears should have taken Mahomes over Trubisky. No, because at the time I don't think anyone right. would have at the time exactly most people, exactly. most rankings had even Mitch above Watson. I personally mm-hmm. thought Watson was the best QB in that draft. I didn't understand why Watson okay. was being rated so low. But I understood, like, you know, like, at the time it wasn't a bad decision. No one at the time All was right. saying, how do you not take Mahomes? How do you not take Watson? Even though I believe Watson was the best. Exactly. There are also, like, nine other teams that passed up on Watson, too. I mean, and
3: Watson wasn't even, or, or uh, Mahomes. And Mahomes wasn't even supposed to go, like, in the top 10. He was mm-hmm. supposed to go in the like, late first round, second round. Um. So, I I mean, it, it's
2: just ridiculous to bring up that bad comparison. No one could have – and the Bears weren't even close to that where they could have picked Mahomes. They would have had to trade down, like, 15 spots. Like, it's ridiculous. But, I mean, yes, I would obviously, if I could go back in time, I mean, I would want my team to be better. If we would be a better team with Mahomes right now. um, And he's as good as it gets. So, for sure, obviously, I mean, I'm not going to die on that hill that uh, Mahomes is – Mitch is gonna be a better quarterback than Mahomes. And even if somehow he is, I mean I'd rather have the shirt product right now, right? Yeah. Um, I, I do think I do think I'll be honest, this I, I would say is like a not trolling take, is that I think I would actually still take uh, Mitch over Watson. I think I think Mitch's ceiling is higher and right now obviously Watson's a better quarterback, but I do I believe Watson has hit his ceiling. I think that I mean I think this year I think he's been for a rough awakening with no D hop. I think that's gonna take a hit on him for sure having that receiver there. Um so I, I mean I, I think that Mitch has potentially a better quarterback than Watson. I believe that he has he has to take some steps and it would obviously be a huge risk because if he doesn't work out this year, chances are he might not have a future in Chicago. Um, but if someone really asked me, would you rather have Mitch or Watson? I, I think I would rather have Mitch because I do believe that he had that ceiling. I believe he has the raw talent to, to be a better court, to be, a, to be like a,
1: an elite quarterback. That being said, I wouldn't take him over Mahomes. So that's where I would stand on that. All right. At least you're being. At least you're rationalizing that. I disagree with that. I think Deshaun Watson. I always, I said, like I like I said earlier, I thought he was the best QB coming into that draft, and he is just a superstar. Watson. He's one of my favorite guys to watch, and I think he has that it factor that Baker Mayfield had at Oklahoma. That it factor that well, Mahomes has more than just that it factor. I think he drives, and one thing that's been ingrained in Watson's head is. Winning, winning, winning. He's always won a ton of games, and I suppose Watson is great. But at least I, I sort of see what you're saying, but I strongly, strongly disagree. Uh, you know, yeah, you said you're about Mitch not, you know, being the future maybe not having a future in Chicago, and I've seen some of your tweets about it. Do you believe? Do, do you believe the Bears are setting are setting him up to fail this season and really not making a fair competition?
2: So, just setting up Mitch to fail, you're saying? Yeah.
1: Um.
2: I mean. Stuff. To I mean, we'll, we'll have a decision. They announced that there'll be a decision coming next week. Um, and there's like been mixed reports. Some saying Mitch has been the much better quarterback, and and, and some saying Foles has been etching the court uh, the competition. But I, I do think there's a part of me that does believe that the Bears might be a little bit biased towards Nick Foles, mainly because I mean they brought him in. Listen, I, as much as I don't really like Nick Foles, I have my reasons for not liking Nick Foles, but. On paper, it made sense why the Bears brought him in. They still wanted Mitch to have a chance to compete. You can't bring in a guy like, like uh, Drew Brees or something. like, like you can't bring in an elite quarterback and expect Mitch to compete. Cam right?
1: Newton, like had the, he was rumored there as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, they wanted. I think Teddy didn't want to compete against Mitch. He he wanted the job straight up with the Bears and so, so it made sense that they didn't bring in a guy like that because they wanted someone that could push Mitch, right? Um, and Foles has he has a uh, familiarity with Nagy he was with Nagy in a uh, Kansas City mm-hmm. he has familiarity with John DeFilippo. I think he's our quarterbacks coach now Yeah, yeah uh,
1: and he was the coach when yeah he was the QB coach when the Eagles won the Super Bowl I believe Yeah and
2: he, he was with uh, I think it was the Jags last year where Foles was as well so he he has some history with them so he's well versed in the playbook and and obviously in this weird off season with you know covid affecting the training and stuff they weren't going to have a guy, completely newbie come in and learn the playbook right, like that. Like, Bowles knew it from his head, so he knew it from experience. So it made sense. He was just good enough where he could, you know, be a game manager type quarterback. He could be a safety quarterback, but he also uh, wouldn't just supplant Mitch as the, the quarterback. So, I mean, his selection made sense to me. But again, because of all these coaches, like all, all these ties he has with the coaches, along with the fact that Nagy's getting a lot of blame from last year, too. I think Nagy really does want Foles to win because then if Foles outperforms Mitch and the offense is clicking, then he can just say, oh, look at last year. It wasn't my fault at all. You guys were giving me like unfair blame. It was actually completely on Mitch. Because last year, the whole, a big debate in Chicago was, okay, like, obviously it's a mixture of both, but how much of this is Mitch's fault and how much of this is Nagy's fault? That Those were the two scapegoats. I was on, like... Saying it was mostly Nagy's fault, some people think it's mostly Mitch's fault. And Nagy would like nothing more, in my opinion, than have a new quarterback come and, and execute the offense well, and then be able to place the blame on Mitch. So I do think there's a little bias towards uh, towards Foles in this competition, where, where and they also invested a lot of resources in it. And mm-hmm. So you could you could argue Pace might be a little bit more invested towards uh, Foles too, uh, because he obviously committed a fourth round pick, a ton of money to Foles. Um, so, I think there's a little bit of bias there, and I think the bias should be placed towards Mitch, is my opinion. I think if it's, like, a close competition, the tiebreaker should go to Mitch, because the fact of the matter is, the bear ceiling is a lot higher if Mitch can actually become the quarterback they drafted him to be. I mean, Foles is what he is. You know what you're getting out of him. Mm-hmm. And he's not, he's, like I said, he's not a guy that can elevate this offense or make big plays. He's a solid game manager. But, I mean... If you have Trubisky and he elevates that team more. If, if you he becomes the quarterback you want to be, he, he can take that offense to a next level. So I, I think that, and also this is his last chance for sure. So like I believe that with the city behind him, with the fans behind him, with the players behind the players have been behind him, and the work ethic, and the things that he's put in, and just the raw talent, I think that he deserves a first crack at the job. Not to mention that week one is against the Lions a team that he has historically done. I, I
1: saw your retweet last night about that. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is true. So. But I saw you also tweeted yesterday saying, I hope if they start Foles, he comes out and throws four <laughs> picks. Would you rather have that Foles four picks and have Mitch get a chance? Or what if Foles comes out, makes you eat your words, and throws four touchdowns a week one and gets the job? How would you feel then?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it, obviously, it's, it's tough for me to root against my own team. I mean, as much mm-hmm. as I love Mitch, he's, like, my favorite player on the team, like, player over team, or team over player, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, I do want what's best for my team, but, I mean, in the long run, I do believe the Bears have a better chance of being a Super Bowl contender, a, a team that makes a deep playoff run if Mitch is at the helm. Now, if Foles can prove me wrong, I mean, okay, I mean, not that bad. I guess that's good, but... At the end of the day, I do want Mitch to have that that, that first crack starting job. So it, it'll be weird if Foles doesn't win. Kind of kind of like having to root for him because it's it's also not just that I don't think Foles is like the greatest uh, solution of this offense. I think he he could be decent. It's also that I've seen firsthand, like like last year. I'm I also uh, like watching. I the yeah
1: no, I know you follow the Jaguars right. a lot too.
2: Right, they're like they're kind of my team in the AFC. He was not good at Jacksonville at all last year. I don't know why people completely just forgot. I mean, he, he wasn't the sole reason. There's a lot of just stupid stuff happening in Jacksonville mm-hmm. that I can't explain. But, I mean, part of the reason it is full is, I mean, he was not good. He, he got the job back from Minshew, and he was just fumbling the ball like every three snaps. Like, I just feel like he's a quarterback that's uh, that's kind of built for Philly. I think he, yeah.
1: he's just a—
2: He's, he's in Philly's magic, everywhere
1: else he's kinda I know, kind it's it's crazy. You know, he sucked on the Rams, but on the Eagles he's won a Super Bowl, right. led him to a let him to a playoff run when people thought they weren't gonna make it, winning their final three games the year after that. Had that twenty seven touchdown, two interception season. But yeah, I agree. Like, you know, obviously he was a backup in Kansas City, right. but he struggled in Jacksonville and he struggled in when the Rams were still in Saint right. Louis. Uh, and,
2: and, and, yeah, and, and don't forget in that playoff run that he did, he beat the Bears, so I still have a little bit of a vendetta from him for that. Seeing him beat the Bears, then kind of ruin the Jaguars, and then now I'm afraid he's going to do that to
1: the Bears again this year. So mm-hmm. So we talking about uh, Bears, Jaguars. I think I may have seen you tweet something about it. How would you feel if the Bears were to sign Leonard Fournette? Because in my group chat from, yeah. with my home friends, we actually said Leonard Fournette, the best fit would be Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do do like that idea, so I was I mean, Forencis—he's a, a great player.
2: I mean, mm-hmm. um, there's no doubt about it. I think that I think that the problem in Jacksonville uh, is not the players. I mean, they have so much talent that just fled. They went from being a Ten, a, a, to a, a quarter
1: player. away from the Super Bowl to right. Uh, trash.
2: Right. Yeah, I and mean, in less than in less than two years, they went from that to a total rebuild. I mean, that's clear to me that that's not player. That's not a player problem. That's a that's a top down systemic. Coaching management ownership problem, yeah, and I,
1: and I think some stuff came out last year that a lot of it had to do with you know, I'm a big Tom Coughlin guy, led the Giants at two Super Bowls, but I know, you know, like especially you know, Strahan, I listened to him on part of my take a few weeks ago and watching uh America's game about the Giants that Tom Coughlin's personality tends to rub people the wrong way, and it's and he was also bringing that intensity to Jacksonville, and that just you know his old school style differs from today's NFL, where it's all young coaches now. So I think his old school style definitely put a lot on that Jacksonville team. Yeah, yeah, I actually think Coughlin was was part of the problem.
2: Um, I, I think you could argue Marone. I mean, the whole the whole the whole system was was messed up. I mean, you had Marone joking about Jalen Ramsey while he was still on the team and, and making fun of him. You had the uh, son of shot Khan, one of the top executives in the organization beefing with yannick Nagakwe on twitter
1: oh my um, god that was that was some clown stuff so.
2: right i'm like this is not how you call you run an organization i think jacksonville they've never had like this much talent on their hands in so long they got all this talent they did a great job getting it they're like shit now what do we do you know what i mean so um but anyways going back to the point i, I think that Cornets could actually be a, definitely an upgrade. I think he he wouldn't be a locker room
1: problem. I don't see that at all. Um, I do like Montgomery. Though. Me, me I, I was gonna say he's. I just drafted him and I drafted him in fantasy. Got him late and I like him too. He he's, yeah. he's a good he he. he a, I know Tariq Cohen is most the guy who uh, Bears using like catching packs, packages, but Montgomery has solid hands too, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, Montgomery's able to catch out of the backfield too. That was part of the reason they drafted him. Um, I, I, th- I think Montgomery's the real deal. I would
1: have been, t- I'm totally fine with uh, keeping Montgomery as a starting running back. I prefer um, that for my fantasy team. I, <laughs> of course, uh, he did. He did
2: get injured. Um, but I think that things that I'm reading that he's supposed to be back by week one, week two. So, um, if it ends up being a long term problem, maybe the Bears pull a trigger on Fournette. But I'm perfectly content with uh, Montgomery because he didn't have the greatest rookie campaign. But uh, I mean, he showed flashes. I mean, he he's he's he has great vision. He's he's a tough ball carrier. Um, and, and
1: the fact of the matter is, the reason the Bears' run game didn't work last year was entirely the offensive. Oh line, yeah, that right? line was horrendous. Right?
2: Yeah, and they banked that they banked that failure on the coaching. Uh, the line. Oh, they got a new offensive line coach Juan Castillo. They got Bill Lazor, uh, who uh, was uh, since, was was uh, with Cincinnati in the past mm-hmm. to be the run game coordinator. He did a great job with Joe Mixon. Um, so, they're kind of banking on, you know, fixing the run blocking and, and the scheming. Um, hopefully, that will revitalize the run game. And I agree. I think Montgomery is super, super talented. Um, and I, I definitely think that he should have the, the, start, the shot at the uh, starting running back spot. Um, and then, Tariq, Tariq Cohen is actually another interesting one because he's actually another point that I was going to bring up as, like, a, a big part of the Bears regression last year. I mean, he went from this all-pro-level return man, um, you know, a spark play on the offense uh, to just... Catching two or three yard passes out of the backfield—that's and that's all he could do. You just run side to side, and gain like two, three yards. So, yeah, I mean, the, the run game is definitely an important point of emphasis this year for the Bears. So, I'll say that.
1: And you talk about the Bears and potentially being a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this team goes as far as Mitch Trubisky leads them, or do you think if Mitch Trubisky plays even a slightly a notch below 2018, do you think the defense can carry this team to a Super Bowl? Hmm. I mean, it's, it's really I, – I do think that
2: in order to be to be a Super Bowl-type contention team, you need – you're going to need Mitch to win you some games. Mm-hmm. I, I think – I don't think he needs to be a superstar quarterback. Like, I don't think he needs to be out here being Mahomes. But I do think that you're going to need Mitch to win you some games. I
1: think, I, I I think, think he, would, if he can, can play similar to Jimmy G, like, say, mm-hmm. Jimmy G or, uh, or even uh, – that, uh, Carson Wentz-esque, I guess, maybe. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. Kirk, C- Kirk Cousins, I know. I know you were all, used to be big on the Kirk Cousins train.
2: <laughs> yeah, not so much anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, if you look at 2018, I, I'm a firm believer that in 2018, the, uh, the Bears were, if they, if they made that kick, they won the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I truly believe that, um, that if Parkey made that kick, the Bears are in the Super Bowl. But, uh problem is is that uh I I don't know if the Bears defense can repeat what it did in 2018 Mm -hmm. so I think Mitch will have to be a little bit better than 2018 but again I think the key thing is he's gonna have to win you some games and I think you saw that in 2018 too he started to win the Bears some some games down the line I think he won in the regular season down the line he beat San Fran he beat Minnesota he beat uh, in the playoffs he really beat Philadelphia I mean people don't talk about this he had the highest uh, passer rating that wild card weekend he, had, he passed for over 300 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. Had that huge first, throw
1: to Allen Robinson, yep. I remember.
2: Yep, that was a great throw. He led under two minutes. He led them into perfect position. He won them that game if Parky makes that kick. I don't believe the defense. Won, I I believe he won them that game if he went to, if they end up winning it. But obviously they didn't. But um, that's that's what that's what I'm saying. I think Mitch is going to have to win them some games down the line. And I also think that you can't expect. The defense to be at the twenty eighteen level, I think you can definitely expect it to be above twenty nineteen level or close to the twenty eighteen level. But I do think that in order to be a Super Bowl contender, if we're, if we're talking Super Bowl, I do think the Bears are going to need a little bit more automation than they had in twenty
1: eighteen. I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So. And one thing about the Bears, I know you follow him on Twitter. I do as well. I'm a I'm a big Barstool guy. I follow Big Cat. Mm-hmm. I think people love to see the Bears lose because they just love to see Big Cat in Pain on part of my take. That was one of the most exciting podcasts I was I was looking forward to after that loss. Everyone loves uh, as, as he calls it on part of my take suicidal Big Cat just because it's yeah. it's funny. Yeah, yeah, Big Cat. Yeah, it was it was sad though when
2: when we when Marky missed that kick, kick. You could see the I don't know if you've seen that video, but the pain on Big Cat's face. Mm -hmm. Like, the hope, and then the, the, that was genuine. Like, I could tell that was, like, Mm -hmm. you can't make that shit. Like, I think that's how every Bears fan genuinely felt
1: when that happens. I was angry simply because of my hatred for the Eagles.
2: (laughs) Hey, I'll I'll take it. any any hatred for for the team
1: that beat us, so. All right, so, you know, we talked some Bears analysis. Uh, Give me your record prediction for the team this season and how far they go.
2: Um, Okay, so I I do think that this team, I think this team is going to win the division this year. I, I think that they should be favored to win the division. I obviously know the national media.
1: They should not be. The, okay, okay. You know, it's one thing to say they can win the division, but they should not be favored after last season. The Packers should be the favorite in the division. It's one thing to say they will, but the Packers or the Vikings should be the should be considered the favorites.
2: That's yeah. I mean, a team that won the NFC Championship, I don't have a problem with them being the favorites. But I, I think if you look at all the facts and you look at it in the lens of this season, I think there's a lot of facts that show that. The Bears should actually be the team favorite. I mean, look at it. I, I think if you look at the the reality, the, the Packers were obviously. I think you would agree with this. were not
1: they were not a thirteen and three. Oh, team. they were not a thirteen and three, but I mean, they I, were possibly the worst thirteen and three team full time. Uh, I think I saw somewhere that they're
2: expected when lost was more around like nine or ten wins. Um, they, they were not deserving of being a thirteen win team. Um, so basically, everything went right for the Packers. They got super lucky. Got thirteen wins. The Bears. If you look at it, everything went wrong for the Bears last year. And this is why I don't get people predicting the Bears to be worse than last year. Because literally, everything went wrong for them. I mean, the defense regressed major. And I, I the defense was still solid. But they basically, they led the league in interceptions in 2018. In 2019, they were like 25th. They led the league and they were like top five in sacks in 2018. They dipped like sub-20 in uh, in 2019. The defense... Really did uh, take a big dip and the offense, obviously, I mean, we could go on and on about how bad that became, but everything, mm-hmm. despite everything, how bad that team performed uh, in 28-19, they still finished 8-8. Eight eight. I, I mean, that's, that's just the fact that's their baseline, the worst case. And if you look at the rest of the division, I think the Bears improved more than any team in that division, I, I think. Um, you know, obviously we talk about the tight end spot. Um, I'm sure you've heard this that in the system the tight end is more important than the most important position on offense other than quarterback.
1: Yeah, they're gonna run like some they're gonna have eleven tight ends out there someplace.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean this is why you have his his he comes from the, the Reed, Andy Reed coaching tree. So this is why you have um, Andy Reed having Zach Ertz, or um, Doug Peterson having Zach Ertz, Andy Reed having Travis Kelsey, Matt Nagy at JP Holtz, and then like Jesper that He had known him. Jimmy Graham has literally had more receiving yards and receptions and touchdowns than all like 10 tight ends on the Bears um, roster last year. I mean, he might be kind of washed, but he's still probably one of the best tight ends in that division, if you look at it. Um, That's fair. So they they upgraded. That's still an upgrade, right? They they upgraded on defense. They got Robert Quinn to replace Leonard Floyd. It's going to be a big boost to that pass rush. Um, you know I think Jalen Johnson the rookie out of Utah the second round pick is going to be an upgrade over Prince Marmara um you know they made they made coaching adjustments to help the offensive line out um and then obviously they brought in competition and I for a quarterback position I think regardless of the result I think that that's gonna we're gonna get better quarterback play because of competition so I think the Bears made actual improvements versus you look at the Packers did they did they improve at all I mean they the only receiver they added for their for Aaron Rodgers was Devin Funch. and he's now. opting out. Right, so they they're back in the same starting receiving core. And again, I'm not going to doubt Aaron Rodgers. I, I've done it too many times, but he is he's getting the other year older, and he has no no more help than he did the last year. And I, I just and again, last year was their best case, so I don't really see the Packers repeating that uh, that division. Again, they do have Aaron Rodgers, so you can never count them out. But um. Yeah, I, I think
1: that the Packers will take a step back. I think the biggest competition would be the Vikings. Um, but, although they they he, lost a lot. They, I mean, they replaced him, but they lost in the draft. Yeah, the Vikings did lose a lot. I agree with you on that. Right, right. I mean, they lost Stefan Diggs. That's a pretty big loss. Um, You know, they, their big
2: signing was Pierce. I've probably heard Michael Pierce. He was a Ravens defensive tackle, nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was his Pro Bowl level player. They brought him on. And uh, he opted out. So, I mean, they're big. They, they did sign a trade for Nagapoi, which is a good good pickup for them. But that, they also lost to Everson Griffin. So, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that the Vikings improved that much. I don't think the Packers improved that much. And the Lions are the Lions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be scared of the Lions. So, I, I, I mean, I think that the Bears are the only team in that division that truly, truly improved. Um, and, again, if you look at last year and look at that as their worst-case scenario— I, I see things getting better, and I could see them being, like, a 10-6, and 11-5 team. I, I'd probably put them – peg them at 11 wins. Also, I mean, I don't like looking at schedules too early, but the Bears are playing a third-place schedule versus um, – so they avoid – they avoid they get the Rams while the Vikings and the Packers get the Cardinals – or the Seahawks and the 49ers. And we also get, I believe, um, we get the Giants. They get the Eagles and the Cowboys. So, I mean, that, that makes a difference in my opinion too, so – We'll see
1: what happens, but I do think the Bears should be favored in that division. Uh, I have them at six and ten. Uh again, that just me. I'm not a b I'm not a believer in Mitch. Uh I think because I think probably you know, it's part of what you said. I drink the Mitch Trubisky juice a lot coming in the last season, and he let me down. I'm not a big believer in him. I'm not a big believer in Foles. I'm not a big believer in that offensive line or Nagy. Uh. I think the defense, you know, the defense is another year older. Uh, They lost Eddie Goldman, arguably the league's most underrated defensive tackle, which is a gigantic loss for that team. Uh, I know, you know, I'm a big, big big Raekwon Smith fan, but, you know, he's had some injury problems in the past. Uh, Who's their number one corner right now? Because I know they still have Eddie Jackson, who's one of the best safeties. I thought, okay, they still have Kyle Fuller. I I thought he wasn't on the team anymore for some reason. But I also think the NFC got... A lot better. Obviously, the Bucks got better. I think the Falcons are not going to be as bad as they were. Uh, the card, the Cardinals got. I think a lot of the NFC got better, and uh, they play the AFC South, which what we'll, we'll see. I mean that Texans game. You know, Mitch is going to want to show up for that, and we'll, that's that's going to be a big game. Uh, I mean, the Jaguars should be a free win for them this season, but uh, I don't know. I just I'm just not a big believer in the Bears. Obviously, they can do as well as you did, but I'm just not a believer in Mitch Trubisky at the end of the day. And I think, I think it's fair to not be a believer in him. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I'll say to this this, okay? I'm not going to try and
2: convince you to believe in Mitch because I feel people who have their mind made up on that have their mind made up. Mm-hmm. And I think Mitch will prove them wrong this year, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do think that, again, going back to my point, is that do you, do you not think that fools if you think Mitch is so bad, I mean, again, he probably could not have played worse than he did last year with the exception of a couple of games towards the end. If you think Mitch is so bad, wouldn't you think that Foles is at least somewhat of up an upgrade over Mitch? And um, in terms of the defense, I mean, wouldn't you also point look at the fact that, um, I mean, that they, they did take a huge step off in 2019? I mean, but the same talent is still there that was in 2018. They just took a step back. Um because, like, not being able to generate take takeaways, not being able to generate pass rush. I mean, do you really see that defense getting worse than it was last year with the same talent? And do you really see that bowls, uh making the offense worse? I mean, if you're saying they're going from 8-8 eight and eight to 6-10. and 10.
1: I just – my mind my, my, – my, I just – I see what you're saying, but my mindset is the offensive line still stinks. And outside of A-Rob, I don't really trust any of their receivers. I know Miller was okay last year. Uh, Jimmy Graham's still aging. I know they drafted uh, – Cole Mett is his name, right? Cole
3: Schmidt, yeah.
1: Uh again, like I think he he's gonna be good in this league, but rookie tight ends just tend to not be yeah. that good.
2: That's fair, yeah. Yeah, I I I I get what you're saying. I just I just don't I cannot conceivably see how the offense could somehow get worse than last year, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't see as someone who sees the same defense. Uh, I'll beat uh, Eddie Goldman as twenty. Also, Akeem Hicks wasn't playing last year. Another, he wasn't there for most of the year either. So I think that's gonna be a big big addition to having Hakeem Hicks back for basically half the season. Um, but I don't know. I don't see how the defensive offense gets worse and they go 6-10. and 10.
1: That, That's fair. For me, it's more of a mindset of other teams got mm-hmm. better. But, uh, you know, before, yeah. before we wrap things up, any other thoughts you wanted to say about, you know, the Bears, uh, if you want to ask them about the Cubs or even the Chicago Bulls?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean – I guess my final thoughts on the Bears would be that it's not it's not I think we're looking at it as a lens of offense or defense like which one of them is going to be better I think you have to look at this as a team effort I think um I think part of the reason the offense um or the defense got worse last year for example was because the offense could not keep a prolonged drive going right they were barely on the field the defense got tired and they gave up points in the fourth quarter they couldn't they couldn't get takeaways, right? So I think that's a, mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. And on the other uh, hand, you have the defense. They they basically had, I think they had like 27 picks in, in 2018. They had like 10 in 2019. They weren't able to get turnovers. They weren't able to generate um, short fields for the offense, which is something that the Bears thrived with is shorter fields um, rather than having to drive the length of the field. So, I mean, that that hurt the offense too. So I think it's it, you kind of look at it as, oh, either the offense is going to step up or either the defense is going to step up and one of them is going to carry them to – to the Super Bowl, to the playoffs or whatnot. But I, I think that both of these things are going to interplay with each other, I think, you're going to see this year. So that would be my final thoughts on uh, on the Bears. It's, it's it's team effort, not just offense or defense.
1: So. All right. Well, thanks again so much for coming on, Akshay, discussing and previewing yeah. your Bears. Uh, we'll see who's right. We'll see who's wrong when the season for comes. Sure. I'm just glad that the NFL is happening. Thank you so much yeah, again absolutely. for coming on.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Of course. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. And uh, that was Akshay Gargia. Uh, okay, you know he usually tends to be a little more exaggerated about Mitch Shubitsky, like he said. And for all I know, he could be right about Mitch. I just do not believe in the Bears, and like I said, I have him at six and ten. Uh, coming up later tonight, we have some pa- we have a Packers fan and a Lions fan coming on to discuss their teams. But for now, take care, everybody. I'll say that very shortly. I'll be joined by a very special guest who is going to preview the Packers for me. Uh, my good friend, known him since high school, Colin Cunningham, and he will be joining us in just a matter of moments. All right, I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, uh, someone I've known since high school. My friend, Colin Cunningham. Colin, how are we doing?
3: Hey Jason, thanks for having me on today. Doing great. How about yourself?
1: I'm good. You know, I'm you know a little disappointed about that Yankees game yesterday, as I'm sure you are too. It's been yeah, a it's yeah. been a frustrating stretch.
3: Tough stretch. Tough stretch for sure. Too many injuries to count.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we can sit here, we can complain about the Yankees all day, but let's get to why you really came on in to discuss Packers football. Uh, absolutely. I don't think you can get into any Packers discussion about the offseason without bringing up Jordan Love, so I just want to get your thoughts on why the Packers drafted, on the drafting of Jordan Love and what that means for Aaron Rodgers' future and for the Packers as a franchise as a whole.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, great question, uh, lots of layers to it for sure, and yeah. Uh... I think like a lot of people were pretty unhappy with the pick in general, mostly because pretty sure like everybody, myself included, were anticipating the Packers to take a wideout or like some other offensive weapon to kind of help Rodgers uh, in the win now mode. But um, especially with this like past draft class being one of the deepest for wide receivers in recent history, like I think that happiness is pretty well justified, even though our pick was towards the end of the first round. But um, it's kind of like three things stand out to me with the Jordan loves pick that I think people are kind of starting to overlook. So uh, the first one being like people forget the Packers were one game from the Super Bowl last year mm-hmm. we're in NFC Conference Final game with the 49ers. And sure, we might have had a luckier, uh, easier path to the Conference Final than some other people did, but um, or other teams did. But overall, like, is one game away from the Super Bowl. And bottom line, like that's pretty good, pretty good space to be in. And I think just with a couple of additions that can really propel us to that one more game. Um, And I think a lot of the fault on that uh, loss to the 49ers comes from our run defense. We were like, 23rd 25th or something ranked run defense at that time we gave up like over 200 yards and four touchdowns or something to Raheem Mostert who had like just started like breaking out Mm -hmm. and like our offense still was able to put up I think 20 points like on a historic San Francisco defense so I wasn't totally disappointed some of those were in garbage time overall it was just a horrendous game to watch I'm having PTSD just thinking about it right now (laughs) but um, secondly too I think like the team now with our offensive line additions in the offseason and just like with the breakout of Aaron Jones last year, I think we're a lot more set up for an explosive run game. Mm-hmm. And LeFleur's been talking a lot about that too with um, them trying to focus more on the run. They got like a couple halfbacks and specialty guys in the that draft. A- well Austin Dillon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Austin Dillon especially is like, he's like over 250 pounds or something the guy's an absolute unit in the backfield and they're still gonna have jamal uh jamal williams for run blocking if they need him on third downs they got aaron jones to pretty much do anything and i just think like he's gonna be a top five running back this year the guy had 19 total touchdowns last year um only like he was limited in his yards because i didn't think he had a ton of carries but he's absolute dynamic like weapon in both the run game and the passing game and i think that's going to definitely take a lot of pressure off of rogers shoulders um, more so this year now that he's got a better offensive line and uh, i think that everyone's kind of more used to um lafleur at this point like because everyone's kind of trying out to figure out the playbook mm-hmm. uh in his first year so i'm really hoping that jones like Kind of explodes this year into like that top three back that we kind of expect him to be, and gets up to that touchdown level that he had last year, and can really take some of that pressure off of Rodgers. But lastly, I think like looking forward into the future with the Jordan Love pick, like the guy's an absolute stud. I, like Art, he was. A couple of people said he was the best quarterback in the draft um, beyond like Joe Burrow. Um, and potentially Tua and like had the greatest arm strength out of all of them. So he's got a lot of potential. He just needs to be worked a little bit. So I'm not totally unhappy with it because I don't think he's going to be starting anytime soon. And having those two or three years to develop before you kind of get thrown right into a system is going to be great for NFL quarterbacks coming out of college. So um, I think he's got the potential to be an all-star. Like it'll be great for Rodgers to hand off the reins to him at some point in the near future. I don't anticipate that being soon, but um And the other thing, too, is, like, as hard as it is for me to acknowledge, like, Rodgers is kind of mortal now. He's had years that his stats have just continued to decline and um, hasn't been playing as well as he should. And I think we need to – we can't keep putting him on this pedestal as, like, this quarterback god. we got to recognize that and start thinking about the future, so – They're giving them everything they can. Um, I'm sure lafleur has got something cooked up with all those, uh, with A.J. Dillon and some of those other draft picks as well. And I think the defense is kind of starting to come back up as well. So I think, like, best case scenario is love, um, the love pick, like, lights a fire under Rodgers, and he realizes, like, I'm dispensable at this point. I'm not going to be this quarterback for mm-hmm. the Packers forever guaranteed uh, moving forward. So hopefully that lights a fire a little bit under Rodgers and gets him back into vintage form.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing with Rodgers is he probably has one more contract left in him. But in the, the Packers' mindset might be in maybe two or three years, why do we, why do we want to pay Rodgers? Uh, what is he making? Pro- probably $30 million in his 40s when they have yeah. Love, who will be at a lot cheaper contract and they can spend that elsewhere. Mm-hmm. uh but yeah that's one thing i think and you mentioned that rogers has become mortal and i've had him the last two years in fantasy so i've been a little been dis- i've been a little disappointed with how mortal he's become i mean he hasn't turned the ball over which is great i think he yeah. threw just two picks or three picks a couple seasons ago but he definitely has was- always
3: yeah he's always been good when it comes to uh um, keeping the turnovers down and it's just been like a hallmark of his entire career mm-hmm. which i think is why his- quarterback rating his postseason performance has always been so good is like he might have trouble like converting on third down or some of those other small things that you really need to kind of propel yourself in um those like game situations in the playoffs but like keeping those turnovers minimized is a huge thing and the fact that we can't capitalize on that is i think the
1: problem there Mm -hmm. i think you know obviously you know he was mortal last season despite the packers having one of their better seasons in quite some time a big part of that was the Smith brothers on defense. Uh, Jair Alexander, Absolutely. an up and rising corner. Uh, they have the, now they have Josh ja- uh, Jackson, too, as their corner. The guy from mm-hmm. Iowa, I believe. Uh, Iowa,
3: yeah, mm-hmm. Iowa corner. Yeah, I remember he... They got two first-round corners last year. They really needed to boost up that defense after cornerbacks um, just started getting old and mm-hmm. uh they were losing guys to free agency they lost Micah Hyde to the Bills last year a big loss uh, big which loss a big kick in the defensive in the for the D-backs and uh but like, like you said like um, with Smith and Amos and that like I think the defense is really on the come up and uh Kenny Clark's like kind of one of the new uh nose tackles uh top guys in the league they just signed up a big contract so interesting to see how
1: that goes. So, would you think that this is more? This is still Rogers' team, or do you think that this team is more of the defenses team along with Aaron Jones in the running game? As hey, this team used to go as far as Rogers' arm took them, but do you think this team is now not? You know, it it's not, it doesn't have to all be on Rogers anymore.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, totally agree. I think like the nice thing is is that Rogers, like the past couple of years, has literally carried this team on one leg and. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's been able to do that, and we've still been able to be as successful as we have, I think, has kind of been part of what's deteriorated him a little bit. But um, now he's got other weapons to lean on, and like people keep saying, like, "Oh, like he doesn't have a number two or number three receiver." It's like he's, he's got Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in the league.
1: Hope he and, is for uh, fantasy this year.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and I think like last year, like Lazard was able to step up um, in those games where Adams was hurt with that foot injury. Um, and played really well during that six or seven game stretch, and uh, and these other guys are just scrappy, and we just really need to see them step up in this um, in this next year. And I think like they're really going to be the determinant in how well the Packers do. But as far as like Evans Rodgers' team or like the defense's team, I think Rodgers is undoubtedly like the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. Everybody trusts him. Like whatever they say about him in the media. Um, about him and his family and all that kind of stuff. Like, any any guy that you ask that has ever played with Routers will say that he's been one of the best teammates and Mm greatest teams I've ever played with. Uh, James Jones had, like, an awesome video about that. It was so cool to just see, like, the leadership behind Routers that people never really get to see and all those kinds of things. So I definitely think it's still his team. He's the franchise QB. Um, but it's nice to see that there's like leadership with like the press with like uh, Preston and Zayaria Smith on the uh, defensive line, and then you got Kenny Clark coming up, and Amos is that veteran safety that we got from the Bears a little while ago, um, and just everything kind of is like starting to align a little bit. So I'm hoping that um, Rodgers can take his team and leverage all these other guys and all their help to get us to that Super Bowl.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're talking about the wide receiver, cool. And you addressed this earlier that you expect, you know, a lot of Packers fans expected them to draft a wide receiver. And obviously, Devontae Adams, probably a uh, top five receiver in this league. Were you still frustrated about the fact that Packers didn't really address the wide receiver issue? I mean, I guess they did with signing Devin Funches, but he opted out uh, because, of the, because of COVID. So are you just frustrated seeing them, you know, not really address it in the draft or sign guys this offseason?
3: Yeah, it was definitely, like, a shock at first. Like, when I saw that they traded up, I was like, oh, great, they're going to go after this wide receiver that they really want. Uh, And a lot of them had kind of gone already in the first round, so that was part of my kind of, like, bargaining with myself was like, all right, well, a lot of them are already gone. Like, let's see what they get. And they they take a quarterback, and I think that was the last position on anybody's mind of who they're going to take. But I really trust, like, the last two quarterbacks that the Packers have had that have been successful are Rodgers and Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. So I – I don't think anybody has any right to question the quarterback coaches and, like, the upper-level management at the Packers' um, front office because the fact that they're able to handpick two guys that are future Hall of Famers to be back-to-back quarterbacks for the franchise, like, nobody else has done that in the league, and mm-hmm. I don't think ever. So I- I'm going to put my trust in them. If they see something in Jordan Love that they think is Brett Favre, and Rodgers-esque, I'm going to trust them and hope that that's the right pick. And I was hoping like eight, even in the second and third rounds, there was just some wide receivers available that they could have gotten. But I guess the other um, side of the coin there is that Rogers' window is closing and he's maybe got a few more years, not a ton, but how much um, impact can like a rookie wide receiver really has? Mm-hmm. And I think the Packers just have a lot of faith in their training staff. And like a lot of the guys that are on the Packers um, have, started with the Packers as either undrafted free agents or um, like, were drafted or they traded for them and they've been with the Packers for a long time. And I think like that testament to homegrown talent and all of those kinds of things is why they have so much trust in Lazard and Equinamius and uh, Kumaro and all these other guys that they have. Even though they couldn't step up last year, I think they would have gone with a wide receiver if they didn't think that they were going to be able to this year. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm definitely was confused but my trust is in their uh hands and hopefully they don't blow it so
1: mm-hmm. uh yeah I, that, that makes a ton of sense so i uh did my predictions i have the packers this season or actually before i get to my prediction do you think this year a super, yeah, yeah. super bowl or bust for the packers what do you say
3: yeah, absolutely. I think Rogers' window is, is closing and I think you gotta be win now. You got the defense is finally on the come up and it's starting to look a lot like the uh, defense we had in Super Bowl X L V ten years ago. Uh, like I remember being at that game and it was just awesome to see how dominant Rodgers got to be, like being freshly rested and just absolutely mm-hmm. killing it on the offensive end, knowing he had a good defense. You to were there? Generate turnovers. Yeah, so I was there in Dallas. They were at seed that year. Mm-hmm. I remember um, that. So yeah,
1: I remember they oh, beat yeah. the Eagles, then crushed the Falcons. The Falcons. That was I, and and I I was I was a big Rogers stand back then, so Curry I love on, that.
3: And Cherry on the top was beating the freaking Bears in the conference final that year. That was just something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was a hell of a game. And, like, that's where we gotta be. And, like, I don't think Rogers is ever gonna get back to that level that he was that post-MVP year. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you just need 90% of that and then as good a defense and hopefully that can carry you to the final.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of the NFC has gotten better and the Packers didn't make any additions. So I assume the Packers are a playoff team. I have them winning the NFC North, but I have them falling to 9-7. and seven. Uh, But where do you have the Packers falling or finishing this season uh, record-wise and then season-wise, Super Bowl, NFC Championship game?
3: Yeah, for sure. So... We got that early bye week. We're like bye week five, I think, with the Lions, and just looking at the rest of the NFC North, like I don't see a lot of trouble with the Bears and the Lions, but um, the Vikings, I think, are definitely going to be a tough matchup. So mm-hmm. we got to at least split that series, and I feel pretty confident, even though the rest of our schedule looks tough with like some with the Bucks matchup and uh, New Orleans. Atlanta, San Francisco again, New Orleans. Yeah, um, I think they can win a good chunk of those games, and if they keep the division high. Um, all that's going to come down to that Week 17 game against the Bears. Like they always schedule it. Um, mm-hmm. So getting that conference record or that division record as high as possible, and picking up as many games at home as you can. So I think that nine and seven is pretty fair. I was like looking around ten and six somewhere, kind of around there. But um, the NFC North is always just like a gauntlet, so it's always tough to win a lot of those games. And I think that'll uh, kind of bring them down to what you're predicting too. So
1: absolutely uh that's really kind of most of the questions that i uh, had prepared for you was there anything else about the packers you want to talk about or you know i know you know going to indiana with what's with having with big 10 football yankees or the nba
3: yeah absolutely so i just say packers overall like uh biggest things to look out for bold predictions like Watch that receiver course, See how Lazard does in those um, in those coverages. Now that the defense is going to have to kind of commit some extra effort towards Aaron Jones and that um, offensive line. So if that box is getting stacked, I really expect uh, Lazard to be a breakout guy this year. So that's my one to watch. And then uh, in the middle, um, I'm thinking defense is going to be high turnover ratio this year. So that's going to be our calling card, I think, because we've never been. We're not going to be that strong against the run defense as much more as we were last year. So. Look for lots of picks, lots of fumbles, the Smith brothers to uh, cause some uh, trouble Mm -hmm. in the middle
1: there. So, absolutely. Well, Colin, thanks again so much for coming on. And I'm just glad we're getting football this year. I'm excited to see what the Packers can do, especially with Rodgers and Adams on my team. I'm hoping for a big year from that offense.
3: (laughs) Absolutely, dude. Likewise. Can't wait to see it. All right. Take care, man. All right. Take care, man.
1: All right, and uh, that was my good friend Colin Cunningham. Uh, he, you know, seems optimistic about the Packers. Rightfully so. Uh, you know, I think you know re- very rational. Kind of agree that Rodgers has become mortal. That he's not the same goat quarterback the way Stephen A. used to call him a bad man back in the day. But I definitely think you know Rodgers is still up there, still one of the elite QBs, and is gonna help this team win a ton of games. And I'm I'm hoping that he can go back to being a bad man along with Devontae Adams. Uh, You know, I have my fantasy draft coming up in about an hour, but shortly I will be joined by a Lions fan, my friend Nick June. So look out for that, and I will start recording that. I am joined by a very special guest, my friend from The Ohio State University and Detroit Lions fan, Nick June. How you doing, Nick?
4: I'm doing great today. I'm ready to finally share some knowledge on the Lions that nobody wants to hear at all, but they're gonna get
0: anyways.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if we'll start off. Uh, you know, like me, former Ohio State Buckeye, recent graduate. Uh, you know, I'm a Giants fan. We had the fourth pick all year. It looked like we were getting Chase Young. I was sad we didn't get him. So I must be. I must imagine you're really hyped about getting Jeff Okuda, even though you lost Darius Slay.
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Slay's so nearing 30, and he wanted to be the top-tate cornerback in the league. And while I definitely think he's at least top 10, maybe borderline top 5, that's way too much to be paying him. Um, I don't know. The media is hard on Lions players, so I'm curious to see what they think of him now that he's on the Eagles. But I'm hyped to have Okuda. I think he's going to be locked down. I'm hearing he might not start week one, which I'm not too worried about. Um, I don't know. Really? I don't. No one knows what's going on in Patricia's head. Also, it's all just training camp talk at this point. So, I get, Patricia's the type of gritty coach where I could see him just saying no rookies coming in and starting, and that's the reason why. But I'm hyped to have him on the team, and I'm sure he'll be starting at least in a couple
1: weeks. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to have a, a bright future ahead, whether that be his whole career for the Lions or the Lions a few years, and then gets traded elsewhere, like most good Lions players are retires early. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that contributes to your frustration. So, you're the only Lions fan I know. And I could imagine that they must be one of the most frustrating franchises to be a fan of. So, uh, just go into some of those frustrations being a Lions fan. Is it the team? Is it the Ford family? Like, how else Knicks fans blame James Dolan? I know there's a lot of criticism to the Ford family.
4: Yeah, so, honestly, I don't know what the fuck it is. Like, I figured at some point we would be decent, like... We went through Barry Sanders. Obviously, I don't really remember that. Um, I remember us going 0-16. I was at the game where we dropped to 0-15. Just depressing. And it hasn't gotten much better since then. I mean, we had a few good years with Calvin Johnson. Really should have won a playoff game. Um, Rob
1: against the Cowboys. Cowboys game
4: was disgusting. Um, I might go into a rant on that later, but I'll try to keep it moving on. Just the timeline of being a Lions fan. Um, We have that, we have the one year where it was looking like everything was coming together, Stafford gets hurt near the end of the season, we drop the final three games,
1: uh, get blown out by the Seahawks in the wild card round. Mm -hmm. I remember I was at that Giants-Lions game, I went Odell made the one-handed game-winning touchdown, I, I was at that game.
4: Oh my god, yeah, just the Lions can't catch a break, I have not seen a division championship in my lifetime and I'm beginning to wonder if I ever will. <laughs> um but I don't know. We just can't get over the hump and the refs. I mean, I remember sitting in Vegas last year and the Lions were two one and one. It was right after we took the Chiefs right to the brink and they needed a Patrick Mahomes scramble on fourth and fifteen. That should tell you how tough it is being a Lions fan. We had the Chiefs beat And I'm not even that pissed about the fact that we let Patrick Mahomes fucking scramble for 20 yards on fourth and 15. Mm -hmm. But I remember sitting next to my buddy who was a Patriots fan, and we were talking seriously like, you know, if the Lions, if by some miracle, which seemed possible at this point in the season with Stafford playing like an MVP candidate, if the Lions make the Super Bowl, we're flying back out to Vegas for it. Um, (laughs) We all know how that went. Following week, they go up against the Packers. There's two just phantom calls.
1: Oh, I had I had Lions money line that game, so I know exactly we were talking about. I was pissed with that game. It seems like you guys are always getting screwed by the refs. I know, I
4: know, I know. Every team feels that way, but I feel it especially is the case for us. Um, so pretty much we had fucking bad happening. I couldn't even watch the field goal. Like after after they called the second hands to the face or phantom hands to the face on Trey Flowers. I just went to my room and listened to all my roommates laugh in the living room, which was right next to it, and knew exactly what had happened.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, like one thing with the Lions, I've always been a big Stafford fan. I think he's a very, very underrated quarterback. As a Lions fan, what's your perspective on Stafford uh, and just thoughts on him overall? I love Matt Stafford so much. I um, I actually feel
4: awful for him that he ended up on the Lions, being a lifelong fan of the Lions and somebody who will be a fan of the Lions for my whole life, whether I enjoy it or not, no matter how much depression it causes me. But <laughs> I genuinely believe that Stafford is a top five quarterback in the league. Like just some of the throws he makes, he routine, he routinely makes no look throws. But since, you know, the Lions aren't fun, we kind of suck. It doesn't really <laughs> get put up on ESPN that much or really circulate at all, except for Lions Twitter. But just some of the throws he makes are insane. like the Kansas City game last year, there's one where he literally threw through four defensive backs. Um, he's also just so gritty and doesn't get credit for that. like in his rookie season, I think it was he separated his shoulder and came in and threw a game winning pass to, as time expired. I
1: remember that that game against the Browns that was that was where I like really like first got into him and I like grew I grew a ton of respect for him after that play. I remember that.
4: You know, you think he's just in there to like make them think that they could possibly hand off the ball or possibly throw the ball, act mainly as a decoy. He just throws that thing with a separated shoulder. I mean, the one year where he had, I think it was eight comeback victories, that was just the peak Calvin Johnson year where he just throw it up. Calvin Johnson would come down with it over three defenders. Mm-hmm. I think that was a fake spike year,
1: too. Against the Cowboys, against Cowboys, right? Yeah, I, I remember that game. Being a perennial I'm, Cowboys hater, I remember getting so amped with that game, watching uh, that game with a couple buddies over.
4: You. I hate the Cowboys. Um, the worst. Yeah. Don't even get me started on the picked-up pass interference because Des Bryant ran on the field. Before reviewing pass interference was even a rule.
1: I but, know. I, re- I remember that one too. I remember that one too, yeah. <sighs> Definitely, you guys are always getting screwed by the refs, and it seems like consistently against the freaking Cowboys and against the Packers. Oh, the, another unlucky thing—the Hail Marys against the Hail Mary against the Packers.
4: Dude, that was another phantom play. Aaron Rodgers did not get face mask on the play before it. I mean, we were kind of done for the season at that point, but still, just anytime you can meet the Packers, it's nice. Fuck the Packers. Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> and. Uh, just having that win taken away from us, but just going back to Stafford, I think if he could stay healthy, I really think like this is his year. Like we have Galladay, Marvin Jones is always going to have a few explosive games. I really think Hawkinson's going to come up, come around this year, and mm-hmm. I really think DeAndre Swift and on Johnson, if they can stay healthy, is going to give us a lethal
1: back. Deal. I-, I wanted to ask you about that uh, combination because DeAndre Swift, uh, most people had him going in the first round of the draft. And he fell to the second. I think that's a great pick for the Lions, especially with Carryon has shown a lot of potential when healthy. Uh, he's you know he's he's an explosive back, but the big thing has been when healthy. It seems like in his two seasons he can't stay on the field. Do You think that they have potential to be a very dangerous one-two combination?
4: Definitely. Like what like you were saying, the problem with Carryon is he's been great when he's been healthy. The problem is that's been so so few and far between. Like, I remember his number one concern coming out of Auburn was that he was coming off a ridiculous amount of carries. Um, he, he can run people over, don't get me wrong, but he's not necessarily a power back. Um, but so far injuries have plagued his career, and I'm really hoping that getting DeAndre Swift in there will be able to, will be able to benefit both of them. Uh, carry on, will be able to stay healthy. I'm really hoping Swift will kind of fill into like an Alvin Kamara role for us, kind Mm -hmm. of being that uh, efficient running back, churning out about five yards of carry, uh, but also being really effective in the passing game, because he can turn it on. And then we have Galladay, who I believe is a top 10 receiver, Marvin Jones, who you never know what you're going to get from him. Mm -hmm. Um, Some days he'll look like a world beater out there, some days just watch him and say what the fuck
3: yeah <laughs>
4: and then, uh, I don't know I'm really hoping TJ turns it on this year he had such a promising first game and then he was kind of plagued by injuries but I heard he was working out with Kittle in the offseason everything I've seen from camp looks great for him so I don't know I've said this for the past 21 years of my life but I'm optimistic about the season I think this is finally the year
1: mm-hmm well, uh, a couple questions. Um, more questions about the line. You mentioned Galladay being a top-ten receiver. Would you say he—I think he might be the most underrated receiver in the league. Uh, I think part of that has to be what—he was a late-round draft pick, and he had one breakout year, so I think people are a little skeptical of him. Like In both my fantasy drafts, uh, despite being one of the higher-rated wide receivers, he still consistently falls in drafts, and guys who are ranked below him uh, get drafted. Do you think the reason he's underrated—like you said, he plays in Detroit, he was a late-round draft pick— and people think he might be a one year wonder even though he's had the nickname Megatron Jr.
4: Yeah, the the Lions players get so much disrespect. I mean, Stafford is Stafford is the peak example of that. He's been literally a top 5 quarterback his whole career in my opinion. And I'm obviously I don't want him to leave Detroit, but I'd be interested to see if he went to like a respectable franchise and had two or three good years there. Or like the Patriots what the maybe? On it would be like Trey Flowers is another great example. Comes in, kind of widely regarded as a top five, top ten defense end in the league. And then all of a sudden he plays for the Lions. He's middle of the pack to below average. <laughs> so I think Galladay's kind of not kind of getting some of that impact. Um, like if you watch him play, he's insane. He's big. The the one kind of knock about him might be he doesn't have that top end speed but he's a big physical dude and he runs routes well like I don't really know what more you can ask for him I think he even led the NFL in touchdowns last year yeah so I
1: think maybe. yeah I believe like, he did
2: too
4: with only having like seven or eight games of Stafford like he had David Blow and Jeff Driscoll throwing him the ball for <laughs> ha- more than half the year and he still was able to put up more touchdowns than anyone else in the league
1: mm-hmm, and uh I agree and that, that was definitely very impressive, especially, you know, the big thing with the Lions was last year. That offense couldn't do anything when Stafford went down. I mean, yeah, they had two really not good quarterbacks playing. But uh, one thing on that, that also held the team back was the defense. And obviously Patricia was brought in to be a defensive head coach, and he hasn't lived up to that expectation. What do you think the defense can do this year? Because, you know, the pieces are there in Jeff Okuda and Trey Flowers. Obviously, I'm sad that my boy Snacks isn't there. I'm a big Snacks Harrison fan. It was definitely another under, another underrated guy on that Lions defense but uh they are they who did they they took on the second round did they take uh a defensive tackle
3: ah
4: shoot i'm drawing a blank right now oh yeah we took um. it was either the second or third round we took some defense kind of one of those defensive end outside linebacker hybrids out of Notre Dame mhm um O'Cara i think his brother's on the team i believe so i don't know maybe they'll be able to uh bring their brotherly bond to the field, get some sacks. The problem for us last year was we could not get sacks or pressure on the QB to save our lives. Mm -hmm. And when we did, the fucking refs would call phantom hands to the face, but that's (laughs) a whole other story. But um, I don't know. Like, I like our secondary. We got Justin Coleman. I think Tracy Walker is going to be an absolute stud. I doubt anybody outside of Detroit knows who he is, but at safety, I think he's really going to be good. I'm expecting big things out of Will Harris. We took him with the th- we took him in the third round last year, and Patricia Patricia's a huge believer in him. Um, still, don't know if that's a good or bad thing after two years of watching him coach. But I mean, Trufant and then eventually Okuda on the outside is going to be a solid duo. Uh, the one thing that really concerns me is I think Trey Flowers is going to be good. I think we did enough we made enough signings on the defensive on the defensive line where I don't think we'll be elite by any means, but I think we'll at least be respectable and able to hold our own. Our linebacking corps scares the fuck out of me, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind
4: of always been a weakness in the Lions. Like, the only good linebacker I remember
1: watching in my lifetime was DeAndre that's Levy. That's what I was going to say. I remember, say, like, I remember DeAndre backs. Levy. That's literally the only good linebacker I can
4: remember. Like, I hate giving up on young players, but Gerard Davis is the most frustrating player to watch. I was ve- I was very
1: high on him coming into the draft too.
4: I thought he was gonna be good. He can only blitz and he he just takes the worst tackling angles ever. Like I remember this was some game against the Bills. I can't remember if it was this year or last year, but he had Josh Allen in the backfield and he got duped out by Josh Allen from like a standing position. Like, no knock on Josh Allen. Love him, but if you're a starting linebacker in the NFL and you have a QB dead like that, you got to at least be able to bring him down. Mm-hmm. Um, to buy, I'm curious to see how he does in year two. I know a lot of people were confused by that pick, myself included. Um, I like to give the benefit of the doubt, he looked all right last year. I'm hoping with Jamie Collins, that'll bring a veteran presence and we'll be able to figure out some semblance of a decent linebacking corp, which is something that I've almost never seen in Detroit.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I, that, I definitely feel that with, with the Giants. Us Giants fans have been clamoring for linebackers for years. Uh, so I know you're a little optimistic about the Lions. I am, on the other hand, I'm not. I was looking at the schedule. I gave the Lions about three wins this year because, they're the, like you said, they're the Lions. It's like the Knicks. What could go wrong? It's not what could go wrong. It's what will go wrong. So... 3-13, and 13, obviously I could be wrong because the potential is there on offense. I just don't see it. What do you have as the record prediction?
4: All right, kind of before, I, before I bring up the record prediction, I just want to preface and say one thing that I've been hinting yet this whole time, but – I just want to say, fuck the refs. I've fucking (laughs) defeated them my whole entire life. I have never seen one call go the Lions way. Literally, anytime they go to the fucking monitor, I know that shit is going to go against the Lions. Like, Brandon Pettigrew, in whatever year the playoffs that was, they go to the monitor. Me and my family are watching it. We just know that it's getting overturned. You couldn't even overturn pass interference at that point. They went to the monitor. Des Bryant should have had a 15-yard penalty for... Running on the field. I'm so happy that that whole Des Cottage shit, which he definitely did, but I was so happy seeing the Cowboys get fucked over the next round.
1: Uh, I, also, I just remembered another call against the Lions.
4: I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to, but the Seahawks one where they bat it out of the back of the end
1: zone? <laughs> Not that one, but that is one I think about. I remember watching that and just being stunned.
4: Let's see, I've already. There were the two
1: phantom hands to the face. Jo- Justin Forsett on Thanksgiving? Oh, my God. Yes.
4: Wait, that was the one. The most absurd rule ever. So, that was the fir- wasn't the first. that the first year all touchdowns were reviewed and he was clearly down, but the Lions threw the challenge flag so they didn't review it and penalized the Lions and took their challenge flag? Yeah. Like, what other franchise does that happen to? But, uh, yeah, fuck the refs. Fuck the NFL. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like to be optimistic. Like... Moving out to Chicago, one thing I was really looking forward to is going to a Lions Sports Bar and seeing how other fans react. Because, like, last year, my roommates would literally love, like, watching me watch Lions games.
1: That's that's how my friends, my roommates, you know, uh, I guess they couldn't really get into that with me being a Giants fan because they were Browns fans, and for them it was just as frustrating.
4: Yeah, but, like, the worst part is... If, even if things, I don't know, maybe you relate to this being a Giants fan, like you at least have some Super Bowls, but even when things are going good the first three quarters, you cannot allow yourself mm-hmm. to get happy because you know it's all going to come crumbling yeah. down. Um, with that being said, I carry the same optimistic attitude into every year for no reason at all, other than I just believe one year we have to turn it around. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm optimistic. Stafford's running out of time. He is. A lot of fans on, wanted us to draft a new quarterback this year, which I thought was the dumbest take ever. Like, I don't know. I didn't think anybody was really a franchise quarterback after Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Tua well remains to be seen, but he'd get killed behind our offensive line. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really think the Lions could – Maybe pull up ten and six or nine and seven. The thing we have going for us is for the first time in the while, the NFC North seems to be a really weak division. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Packers, you don't know what's going on with them. The Bears have Trubisky, so that's enough said right there. <laughs> and then the Vikings seem to be having cap problems with them all, with Dalvin Cook sitting out. Um, they traded Stefan Diggs. They kind of seem to be going through. Uh, a little bit of organizational turnover. So, if there ever was a year for the Lions, I mean, it's Patricia and Bob Quinn's prove it year, in my opinion.
1: And it's a weird. Um, it's going to be a weird season. Who knows how the season's going to go? It's going to be a really, really weird year this season.
4: That's the thing. If there ever was a year for the Lions to win the division title, it would be a weird year where it all gets discredited. So, I'm really optimistic about it.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear you're optimistic, a little opposite about me. Was there any other last thoughts? I know you want want to add a little candid rant about the refs, which I don't blame you for. Any last thoughts on the Lions before I let you go?
0: I just hope
4: we're good. I just want to see, like, a season where shit doesn't go up in flames. There's nothing, like, there's no just, like, awful ending to a game. I don't know, man. I just want to be happy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I I, I, bl- I don't blame you, trust me I say that, I mean, I've get, with me, with the Knicks I've given up optimism with the Giants uh, I've given up optimism temporarily I have optimism for the future for the Giants, but uh, I definitely feel that, it's, it's not fun being a fan of a snake-bitten franchise but Nick, thanks so much for coming on I loved uh, your candid how animated you were about the Lions and the refs, because it definitely can't be easy thanks so much, man
3: thank you
1: for having me on, man no problem, take care, have a good night
0: you too.
1: And that was uh, Nick June, a very candid interview there. Uh, I think if you guys have followed football and watched the Lions over the years, I think that's definitely the mindset of how all Lions fans have definitely felt over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, this is our uh, Tuesday. Let's go. Yankees win. Uh, you know, it's currently Tuesday, September 1st. Watching the Yankees win, beat the Rays. Big win for us. Uh, you know the rest of this. Inter- the rest of the NFC North preview will continue later in the week because uh, I have my one friend coming out to do the NFC North later in the week. And until then, I'll see everyone later. And I'd like to welcome on another very special guest. Uh, my, a good friend of mine from the Ohio State University, host of Fan Response. Oh, io, host of Fan Response on the Mi6 Network. Go check them out on their Facebook page along with their website. Stephen Wang. Stephen, how are we doing?
0: I'm doing great, Jason. I think it's a great thing what you're doing here with the podcast. I hope to see you on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts soon, as soon as you start uploading the videos there. And yeah, man, it's been a while since I've seen you at The Ohio State University, but definitely looking to visit during this fall and hoping for perhaps the college football season coming in later in the fall and
1: the spring. I'm crossing my fingers. Watching uh, watching college game day this morning definitely brought up some emotional feelings because, you know, there's no Ohio State football so far. At least, you know, this week, uh, at least so far this week, there's no uh, SEC or Big 12 or ACC football. So, you know, at least we're not jealous just yet.
0: Yeah, that's for sure, man. You know, I haven't been catching the recent games uh, I'm pretty much Big Ten football or die. I watch some Pac-12 games because they're always later in the night and a great way to wind down the night. You mm-hmm. know, if you're not going out to bars or anything. And so, yeah, I haven't looked at the recent um, season yet, but definitely there's some jealousy there. But I just trust i trust in the officials, and I think they're making the
1: right decision protecting the students, the fans, and the players right now. Mm-hmm. thats yeah, It's definitely a controversial topic. I mean, you can't. You can't say that they don't care about the safety. It's just sad that we're not going to see our Buckeyes. But uh, let's get into yeah, some absolutely. NFL. Let's get into some NFL football. Even though you're a West Coast guy, I know you're a Vikings fan. So let's start talking about those Vikings. Uh, you know, this off season, the Vikings lost some key pieces such as Everson Griffin and Stephon Diggs, along with Xavier Rhodes. Even though he had a bit of a down year the past season, was still an All Pro just a few seasons ago for the Vikings. So those are all huge losses. Uh, but the Vikings replaced them. Uh, they drafted Justin Jefferson. They just got Yannick. I don't know how to say his last name. And Ngakwe. Uh, and they drafted Jeff Gladney, was it? Yes. Uh, yes, so Jeff Gladney. What are your thoughts on how they on how they did replace the key pieces they lost?
0: Well, first of all, I wanted to get into uh, why I'm a Vikings fan. I'm actually mm-hmm. from Minnesota. That's where I was born. And I lived there from 1996 to 2011. I moved in right before the tech craze of Silicon Valley really hit into high gear. uh, After my dad got a new engineering job over here in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And definitely the weather is a lot nicer than Minnesota. But I'm always true to my roots, Jason. You know I got to rep my Vikings, my Timberwolves, and my Minnesota Golden Gophers. Just love watching them and love being a part of this loyal fan base.
1: What about your Wild and your Twins? Oh, yeah, of course. I rip them every year as well. But I'm, I'm much more of a college football, basketball, and NBA guy. That's, you basketball and NFL guy? Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Anyway, yeah, so I'll go on with, you know, just your thoughts about how the Vikings did replace them. Because, you know, I think, obviously, getting Ngakwe, one of the most elite defensive men in the leagues, is a great replacement for Everson Griffin, who is getting up there in age but was still one of the most impactful defensive ends in the league. Uh, and he's a great run stopper, really should fit in well in that Mike Zimmer defense who always manages to get the best out of his players. I think Justin Jefferson getting him at 22 is an absolute steal. Uh, one of the best wide receivers in college football this past season. Still a stud that the Eagles actually passed on him, and so Jalen Rigor. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to fit really well in that offense. And he seems similar to Stephon Diggs, so could really fit that role he does. And um, Gladney I'm not too familiar with, but, you know, given the fact that Xavier Rhodes had a down year this past season, I'm sure Gladney can come in and, you know, fit that defense really well.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that they um, definitely uh, cleaned house a little bit, and it has to do with, like, a lot of the incoming contracts. Like, you look at Kirk Cousins, his two years, $33 million per year, is about to kick in in about a couple seasons. And then Delvin Cook next season is going to be looking for some big money. So Mm -hmm. Alexander Madison perhaps an alternative to him, but I think the Vikings preferably would love to keep Delvin Cook in the Twin Cities. So I think there's a lot of, you know, foreshadowing ahead of them that made them make, make these moves. And I think I wanna emphasize the biggest thing is that the Vikings have always been able to breed amazing in house talent defensively. Mm-hmm. Defense has never really been the issue for them. They've bred some really great talent. Yeah. I know they brought guys over before, like, Jared Allen and stuff, but they've done great drafting talent, like Chad Greenway, Anthony Lieber, Antoine Winfield.
1: Anthony Barr, Anthony Eric Kendricks, more recently guys.
0: Yeah, and then Daniel Hunter, they have had a bunch of home runs and double hitters in terms of defensive drafting. I don't think that's been the issue for the Vikings. I think the issue has always been finding that franchise quarterback guy who just consistently stay healthy and young and nimble within the games, and obviously being very clutch. And now I think they have that guy in Kirk Cousins, who might not wow you with like Lamar Jackson or Mahomes, but they have that guy. So defensively, short, long story short, I think they're gonna do a really great job. I think Jeff Gladney's the right pickup for them. Um, obviously Ezra went to help out the offensive line, and then you pair Yannick and Gokwe with Daniel Hunter, this is gonna be a special, special defense. And let me remind you one more thing, Jason. Stafford and Aaron Rodgers are getting old. And with Mitch Trubisky winning that quarterback battle over a worn-out Foles, I think in the passing game, they're not as worried. I mean, they're not as set up to be worried as before. I think they're mm-hmm. going to be able to dominate that line of scrimmage defensively and maybe cover off some of those uh, weaknesses within the young secondary.
1: Yeah, I definitely do agree. With that. But, yeah, that's a very good point. You know, Kirk Cousins is still... Uh, uh not young young but he still you know has a lot of prime years left. Uh had a tremendous season last season and there was you know obviously got over the big game hump winning that playoff game in New Orleans. Uh but you know the Vikings actually oh another thing I want to say before I get on my next topic is that you know you mentioned Rick Spielman and the Vikings always drafting guys. That guy has a nose for finding talent it always seems like and you're definitely right about that with the franchise quarterback obviously it looked like it could have been Teddy Bridgewater But he had, you know, unfortunately, he had a really bad injury problem. Christian Ponder looked like he could have been the guy after his second year, I believe it was. But, uh, you know, after that, it never really came together for him. And, you know, Spielman was able to sign an aging Brett Favre, who led the Vikings to one of their best regular seasons ever. But uh, another loss within, within the Minnesota organization, the guy who's been there forever, Kevin Stefanski. So, obviously, you know, he you know, John DiFilippo was fired in the 2018 season. Stefanski took over, and the offense really seemed to click after that. Uh, How do you think that this affects the Vikings for the upcoming season?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point brought up. But I think the biggest thing we got to remember with Kevin Stefanski is before they brought the gate guy in, they actually brought a seasoned veteran winning coach in Gary Kubiak. Mm -hmm, That's amazing was set to possibly be the offensive coordinator. Obviously, in early season, 2019, they decided Stefanski would be their guy. But last year, when you saw that Vikings offense, you saw lots of remnants of Kubiak's offense being run, a lot of misdirection plays, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of play actions, conservative-style offense that gets the job done, and then the occasional shot downfield. So more or less, they did run Kubiak's offense last year, and Stefanski made some good adjustments as well by maybe not going as run-heavy and maybe doing a little bit more of uh, HP draws. But this is more or less going to be the same offense team-wise heading into 2020. Now, obviously, you have the loss of Stefan Diggs and Stefanski. You know, I wish them good luck in their new cities in Cleveland and Buffalo, but I think right now, Kubiak is a perfect guy to take the raise. He's primed to do it. You look at his record with quarterbacks who are not always the best and aged Peyton Manning, Matt Schaub, who is solid, but, you know, never your, like, Michael Vick, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger type, right? Yeah. You know, not, like, the franchise guy over all the other ones, right? And then you look at what he did with Joe Flacco in that offense after they were having those Super Bowl slumps. Yeah. This guy has consistently been able to take – you know, mediocre to above-average quarterback talent and turn it into something special. He, he, he's a big
3: reason why he got Brock Osweiler that deal.
1: Yeah. Houston. So I think on the offensive end,
0: scheme-wise, they're going to be fine. Now, there might be some maturing to do as far as integrating the targets, like integrating Justin Jefferson. And then now Phelan is the number one guy. Before he was, you know, more of a number two and Diggs was able to be a decoy for him. That's going to be interesting. But, Jason, I think above it all, Kirk Cousins' situation is a perfect, perfect example of the concept of time value of money within the context of the NFL. And what is that? It's that a lot of people, they want to doubt Kirk Cousins. They want to say, like, three years, $84 million, or two years, $66 million. It's too much money, right? So many people were just laughing at him, memeing him at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And now the Vikings look like geniuses for signing him for that amount. He's a top-ten quarterback right now. And at the time of his signing, I'd say he was probably the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. The Vikings, giving him that big money, obviously didn't believe it. Look at what happened. What has happened since. Guys like Matt Bryant, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, he's not even in the league anymore. All these guys dropped below Cousins. As soon as he signed that deal, and had a little bit of time to work with that Vikings offense and that team. First season, not the best. Second season, he got it back. Beat the Saints. And so, this is the lesson. The lesson is that you cannot wait to time the market. It's like the stock market, Jason. <laughs>
1: you know,
0: there's always going to be dips. There's always going to be values and peaks. Like, nobody knows if it's going to go up, down, or in circles, right? Nobody knows what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins in the future. But we all know over time, it goes up. That's the overall trend. The quarterback market continues to go up. These quarterbacks who are coming now, like Jared Goff, his contract was bigger than Cousins. Dak Prescott wants $40 million a year. And so you look at this, the Vikings, they did the right thing. They identified their guy, they got in. They didn't care about the price tag because they knew the price tag would go up and up and up as lead viewership and revenue increased. And now they look like geniuses. They really, really do. And the last thing is this. A lot of people bring up, yeah, but like, couldn't the Vikings have just pulled a Seattle or a you know, New England, San Francisco, and just draft the guy, right? Draft the guy like Kansas City did, like Seattle did, and Russell Wilson, and then you have him on the cheap deal to possibly win Super Bowls. But as much as Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson do have, you, there's more of that Daniel Jones. There's more of the Mitchell Trubisky's and the Blaine Gabbert's of the world.
1: Whoa, whoa, boy, whoa. Boy, boy, what do you say about there. my boy Daniel Jones right there? He, he's only played for one season. You can't get out okay. of his case just yet. Uh,
0: I, I, I get off the Daniel Jones' A-train for now. But Blaine Gabbert's, you know. Blaine Gabbert's, Christian Ponders, Mitchell Trubisky's, all these type of guys, right? And, and you draft them, right? More often than not, those top quarterbacks turn out to, to be buffs, not like the type of guy that Mahomes is. You really only have a, you know, one in a hundred chance of landing a guy like that. And then if you don't if you land the wrong guy, you're back to the rebuilding phase. The Vikings have tried to draft in house and do great uh, in house quarterback development. It just doesn't work out for them. So they finally went out to the market. They didn't care about the price tag. They just signed cousins and look at how much the quarterback money has gone on now. Mm-hmm. It's the time value of money. They took advantage of, of the market being lower back in twenty seventeen and twenty sixteen than now. And I, I gotta praise I gotta praise the Vikings for doing that. And I, I just gotta say, man, this is the perfect marriage of Gary Kubiak and Kirk Cousins because Kubiak has never had to have the most talented special quarterbacks to win championships or to be competitive. He has made molded guys like Flackle, Schaub, and an old Manning into franchise guys and franchise offenses.
2: Mm-hmm. So this is the perfect pairing. This offense is not gonna miss a beat
1: going forward. Maybe for one season. So but that's it bad out day. So it sounds like you still think the best for Kirk Cousins has yet to even come and that, you know, he stores a lot more. And I guess you know, this is one of my questions and I guess that I think I should I think I know your answer based on what you're saying, but you know, even though they have the losses, the Vikings have consistently had one of the deepest rosters in the league. Where even if starters get injured, their backups can come in and perform well. So, given the talent on this exactly. roster, and now that Kirk Cousins has gotten over the hump of not being able to win that playoff game, do you believe that this team is talented enough to win the Super Bowl this year?
0: I think the Super Bowl is a little bit far here. And I'm not. Um, I'm not
1: saying will win. I'm saying, do you believe that they they have the talent too? Do it
0: right, right. So, talent wise, yes, I think so. Mm They, I think they do, Jason. But I think because they're integrating
2: so many rookies in the roster, like
0: Justin Jefferson is all of a sudden going to step into a situation where he's going to be the clear number two. And then you have defensively Jeff Gladney, the cornerback. We know that you know, historically, defensive players in their rookie year they tend to struggle a lot, Mm -hmm. so especially cornerbacks. So, I think this team. Is probably going to see a slight downturn this year. I want to say to like around nine wins, and might be able to get a an upset win in the first round, like they did last year. But but I think long term, they definitely have Super Bowl aspirations. I just think this year is a little bit soon, given all the new guys they're bringing in.
1: Mm-hmm. You say that. Uh, you know, you mentioned nine wins. I was that. Brings me to my next point. I was going to ask your prediction. I have them winning eight games for the reasons you said that. It's not just the rookies. It's uh some of the new acquisitions, you know, the trades, the off-season signings that they're trying to uh, fit into this team, and especially given this crazy short and off-season with no OTAs, obviously when you're adding a bunch of new pieces, it's going to take even, it's a little harder to, for everyone to adjust because you haven't had the full, the normal off-season, so that's why I have this team at 8-8. Eight eight. That and the fact that the, the rest of the NFC just got a lot better, I could see, like, Basically, the entire NFC just being a dogfight, with the exception of the Giants, Washington football team, Lions, and Bears, and Panthers. But other than that, I see all all other 11 teams could be fighting for that last playoff spot and it could all finish between like 11 and 8 wins.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think this season is going to be very, very unique. If they finish the season, I do expect a slight downturn to like 9 wins. I do think they make the playoffs, and they have that potential to always surprise teams because... That Vikings offense, they they just churn out consistency. I mean, Kirk Cousins doesn't turn the ball over. Delvin Cook is a strong runner. That's another thing. Gary Kubiak is able to mold, you know, average to above-average running backs into these amazing 1,000-plus-yard rushers as well.
1: Well, he's already getting
0: an amazing running back in Delvin Cook. And so I I think the Vikings have good future ahead of them. And if the season is able to finish... I'm predicting nine and seven for this year, but I, I, I think that them and the Niners are in, on a long-term collision course for who will rule over the NFC.
1: Really, that's an interesting take. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. You know, the Niners obviously have a ton of great pieces. They have our boy Nick Bosa. Uh, I think I still think the one, I, I could sort of see that. I think you, the one other team you have to include in there is Seattle because they're a contender yeah, for, as lo- for as long as Russell Wilson's there, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender every single season. Yeah, and I think it's going to be between those
0: three teams going up in the NFC. But you know what I'd like to see, Jason? I would like to see Lamar Jackson and the Ravens reach the Super Bowl this year and match up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks because you'll have that veteran versus up-and-coming mm-hmm. matchup. And that, that just, you know, the memories.
1: That would definitely be a very exciting matchup, so... That's really all I have to discuss with you. Was there anything else you want to mention, whether it's about your Vikings, whether it's about or any of your other Minnesota teams and their upcoming outlooks? Um, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a really fun discussion.
0: I really enjoy what you're doing here. Um, watch out for my Minnesota Timberwolves moving forward with D'Angelo Russell and Towns.
1: Who's playing moving defense? On, who's there. playing defense? Who's playing defense?
0: Um... Honestly, I can't answer that for you, man. I think it's going to be an exciting team to watch, though, because of that lack of defense and the amazing offense that they're going to have. Watch out for those Timberwolves with you know Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Towns, and they might you know, they might have Devin Booker coming in on the horizon because we all know him and Towns are great friends. So we might get another entertaining Minnesota Timberwolves team. Not sure if they're gonna it's going to lead to long term winning. But, you know, everything's looking up and up for Minnesota sports. The Twins are doing well. The Timberwolves look like they're about to reload more and more. And, you know, the Golden Gophers, they had a great season last year. We'll see how they build off of it whenever um, Big Ten football resumes. And last thing I wanted to mention, guys, um, be sure to check us out at the MI6 Sports Network. You can find us by keyword searching us
1: on Facebook, Spotify, or wherever you hear podcasts. Perfect. Thanks again so much for coming on, Stephen. Take care, and best of luck to your Vikings this season. Yes, sir. Good
0: luck, Jason, and to your Giants and Knicks as well.
1: Thank you. Well, Knicks, there's no hope. <laughs> All
0: right, man.
1: I, I appreciate the good luck, though. Thanks, Damon. Take care. Stay healthy.
0: You too. Have a great weekend.
1: You too. And uh, that was Stephen Wang. Uh, you know, he mentioned he has his uh, own podcast, the uh, M16 Network. Uh, there's actually... It's a whole sports page. They have their own website. I would highly recommend checking them out. Uh, they have some great reads out. They have some great reads on their site. Uh, some interesting podcasts and topics to talk about. And, uh, you know, clearly, you know, he's a very knowledgeable sports fan who cares a lot about his Minnesota teams. Uh, so to recap my NFC North Sandings, I have the Packers going 9-7 and seven and getting first place. I have the Minnesota Vikings going 8-8 eight and eight and getting second place. Uh, I have the Bears in third place with a six and ten record, and I have the Lions finishing last with a three and thirteen record. That's really it for AFC North football, and that's it for all my NFL division by division preview shows. Uh, I think after this, I'm gonna just recap all the standings for every single team, along with uh, giving award predictions and Super Bowl, along with playoff predictions upcoming. So make sure you tune into that episode. Uh, Follow me on SoundCloud. At the at the bird's eye view follow me on youtube the bird's eye view and fo- follow my instagram account the at the bird's eye view podcast and i have recently just created my own twitter account uh check out j bird's eye view everybody you again so much for listening take care stay healthy everybody